Sten Morgan here. I hope you're doing well. I want to announce that we are launching the How to Be an Elite Advisor course. We are combining all of our best teachings and ideas into a course that you can complete in less than a week. I want to share with you the best ideas that I implement within my practice that have helped me achieve more than I ever thought possible. I want to share how I have unique meetings with clients. What's the mindset of an elite advisor? How do you prospect in a way that'll separate you from other advisors? At the Elite Advisor Network, we reject average. I want to help you see what your full potential is and reach it faster. Set time aside this week to take the course. Click on the link or go visit gobeelite.com. I'll talk to you soon. Andy, uh, I'm excited to unpack this today. Uh, the, the, the idea behind, are you running a business for yourself? Are you just a really rough boss? Yeah. Uh, is your business an advisor like a hobby where you're like, I just want to make n- enough money to have the lifestyle I want? Or what most advisors say they want is, are you truly building a business, a scalable business that allows you to live in your superpowers, uh, work less hard? You may still work as much as you want to, but you're focused on the right things. You make more money and you help more people. That's the ultimate goal. But we know to do that, you need people around you. You have to grow a business that's scalable. And there are these principles that we want to share today that we know to be true. Yeah. I want you to speak to this because some of the things we talk about today, those who are listening kind of feel some internal rejection or pushback. We don't generally find people that disagree with, yeah, I'd like to have that someday. Mm -hmm. So what are the things as we talk about hiring that advisors push against either because of habit or limit self-imposed limitations or what what where's the tension going to be for those who are just so we can call it out in the very beginning so when it shows up you're you're aware of it where is the tension in talking about hiring and building a team that that question makes me think about different times in my life to where i heard somebody that was more experienced or older than me say something and it didn't land at all like i was like that makes no sense to me and years ago, my instinct was like, that they must be wrong. I lived long enough now and had enough business experience that I've had these moments all, like where I've had an epiphany. And I'm like, I remember when that person said that five years ago and they yeah. were 100% right. It was just at the moment I, I couldn't understand it. Therefore, and also at that stage, didn't have enough curiosity to be like, okay, I've heard enough people say this thing. There's probably something to that. How do I avoid someday being late to the game? And being like, oh, man, like they were right all along. And so I think every advisor should have the superpower of curiosity. Really, any business owner should. And so as we share things today, and, and what we'll share, and this is usually the way we talk, is these aren't really suggestions. Like th- These are truths that we know because we coach hundreds, if not thousands of advisors. And we have a large enough group now to look and say, oh, look at these common themes. Yeah. And there's the, the average path that we talk about where these advisors stay frustrated. They maybe make enough money to pay their bills, but they're still left wanting. Their, and their success can become a trap for them where they end up resenting people who are paying them mm. because they've built, you know, they've, they've, it's like, hey, give me more, give me more, give me more. And people keep saying, yes, that seems great until yeah. it overwhelms them. Their success can actually overwhelm them if they're not thinking the thoughts that we're going to share today. Yeah. And, then, and there's a season if you're new to the business, like, yeah, grind it out. Oh, yeah. Learn a yeah. lot. Study late at night. Like ha- have a, have a schedule to where, you know, you're, benefiting your future self a lot. But if you've been in this business for four or five plus years, you should start having a scalable process that you're not doing everything. You're not wearing every hat in your business. And so so we want to speak, if you're brand new, we're hopefully we're painting a vision for you of what to think about. And our goal would be is that you get there a lot faster than maybe the the industry would have you get there. Yeah. 
but there's a lot of you we're speaking to that have been in this this kind of middle career phase to where you're still fully engaged and you're like, I want to do better, but I have a family or I want to travel. Like I have wants and desires for my life, but now this thing I've created is standing in the way of that. And then it does create some resentment or, you know, you become the boss that as a as an advisor, you're not happy with because yeah. you're not making enough for everything you're sacrificing. Yeah. Um, and you may be listening and say, hey, I'm on kind of the more tail end of my career. I don't feel like making a lot of change. Yeah. You know, we've advisors in our community that have been in the business for 30 plus years that still want to learn. Mm-hmm. And so so my hope is there, there's still something in here that you will grab that you can run with because where is your business going next? Are you cultivating a new advisor? And so all this stuff, but at the end of the day, you need a team and we're going to talk you through each important hire I've made, lessons I've learned, but also like what does that person actually do yeah. for the team? And we are going to include, uh, so there'll be a link in the show notes to go get uh, the job descriptions of the three jobs we talk about. And I I want to encourage you who are listening that uh, mo- most people that, that we survey and talk to, and we know that they want to stay in the business, usually 15 plus years. So they've got, if you're listening, you likely have lots of runway left. You're not like, oh, I'm on the way out. It, it's, you know, even those in their 50s, they're like, oh, I just, I like, I like the business. I want to stay in it, yep. which is great. So this can be applied Um if you've been in the business three, four, I mean, we, you know, I was talking to Patrick the other day. He and his wife had a baby and named him Samuel. Hey, I know, go. I know, I know. Maybe I had a lot of influence on that, but <laughs> uh, congratulations to Patrick and his wife, uh, members of our community. So um, the, the idea that he's still kind of young in the business, but he's ready to hire. So we know that hiring unlocks something yep. and unlocks time, uh, unlocks potential. So I want to talk about the three different positions that, you brought in mm-hmm. and what are the advantages of bringing in someone in that position and what are maybe the, the concerns you might have uh, if if you bring them in and don't handle it well? Mm-hmm. Like, how, where can it get messy? Before we jump into these three that are yeah. a little more nuanced, I think the first hire that all of us know we need, most of us eventually get to, but a lot of times too late, is just that relationship manager. It's, it's your first key person that is processing applications, moving accounts, scheduling meetings, that is a role that you should have as soon as possible. Yeah. For most advisors, tomorrow. And and we know over and over again, we've never had anybody come back to us and say, man, I wish I didn't hire that. It's like, I can't believe I waited so long to do it. I've given 60% of my non-revenue generating activity away, and now I can focus on just serving my clients, getting new clients. Like, that is what you need if you're ready to scale your business. Um, so, so that's important. Do that well. We have a lot of best practices for our community on how to find that person and how to hire them well. But that should be your first one tomorrow if you can. Yeah, I'm sorry I didn't mention it. That that was sort of like a, yeah, you need to do that. Yeah, sort but the like ones this. we're going to unpack today are the ones that, okay, I have my relationship manager. A lot of advisors get to that point, but then they stop. Yeah. And so they're still doing so many things they shouldn't do. They've recognized, yeah, there's the obvious things that I can have a team member help me with, but there's there's more beyond that that continue to unlock different levels. Right, and that's where we want to push you today is, okay, great, you've got someone, you know, by your side, it's taking all these things that you shouldn't be doing. And you know that. That's simple. Those are the easy ones. Mm-hmm. I don't even like doing those things. I'd love to give them away. Yep. But what about those things that you're okay at and maybe good at? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you give those things away so you can really truly live in your superpower? So I'll, I'll let you. Yeah, we'll jump into kind of the next hire I made was a pair planner. It was as, as soon as I hired that first administrative assistant relationship manager, they were able to take away all the processing, which represented about 60% of my time wow, dude. as a new advisor, That's which was lot. wild. It was also uncomfortable because I'm like, what do I do with all this free time? The the busyness can make you feel good yeah. at work. You're like, wow, what a great day. But you made no money. 
just grinding, filling out You just out touched apps, a bunch of stuff. Call, and... Sitting on hold. <laughs> that's Woo! Right. Yeah, that's right. Yes, I'll hold. Fighting with underwriting yes, and ACAT hold. departments. Yeah. Not revenue generating activity. Um, and, and long term, we'll just leave you frustrated. So, so finding somebody that's better at that, that can do those things really well, because more people can do that. Less people are licensed financial advisors to focus on those things. But that still left me with meeting prep, portfolio analysis, all these things that I don't have to do myself that I can train somebody to do, or somebody can do 80% of it. It's that idea of the 10, 80, 10. Yeah. Is all speaking to the first 10%. Can somebody run it at the next yeah. 80? And then I come in for the last 10. I had this picture the other day as you were working with Nate. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I ever saw Tim Tebow play football, I was watching a Florida game when he was at Florida and they get down to like the seven yard line and they're like, and in comes Tebow. And I'm like, why are they taking out their quarterback? <laughs> the guy got him 93 yards. Why are they taking him out? And I had never heard of Tim Tebow. And they bring him in, it's like touchdown. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. And then sure enough, late in the game, they get down to like the 12 yard line and in comes Tebow. And I'm like, what is this guy? And I'm like, all he does is score. Like all he does is like, he just get close and it's like, get the ball to Tim. Right? Yards in. Yep. And, and I love that picture of like, which one do you need? Yes, you need them both. Like if there's someone that you could help you get all the way down the field and it's like, okay, Stan, we're ready. Take the ball, score. Yep. Glory to the team. Everybody wins, yep. right? And really your client wants you to be the one, right, mm-hmm. to, to, to present that plan or whatever yep. it might be. But I love the idea. And I think there's people listening who are like, wait, there's people like that that will like do all this stuff for me? And, they, and they're, they're interested in it and they love the analytics of it and they'll go through all the details and create that report and sit in my meetings and take those notes. And they want to do that. And here's my perspective when, I, when we're coaching advisors is what a blessing it is to that paraplanner mm-hmm. to come into the business in that way where it's like, listen, I just want you to like go get us all the way here and then I'll, I'll take it from there. Yeah. Like that's a gift. Yeah, definitely is a gift. And I think for me now that I look back, my posture has changed to how quickly can I hire people because I've now had enough reps of like every time I hired, it unlocked something. Uh-huh. But I was also really skeptical and resistant. I think the fear was, uh, what's the cost of this, you know, versus the investment of it. And some things as we work with advisors is, is until you experience it, it's really hard to understand yeah. it. And so we spend so much time in our coaching program. And this, this is part of the difference between, you know, a, a tier one coaching program of ours, which is, hey, here's content, encouragement, yeah. different things versus, hey, here's one-on-one coaching. There's certain things that, you need increased accountability yeah. and, and push to accomplish. And then once you do it, you'll never be the same. And that's how it was for me and team members. And so for other companies I have, the goal is there's there's some level of baseline team you have to have in order for everybody to be focused on the right things. And that's typically not one, two, maybe three. It's usually like four people. And I found this in other companies too, in order to have some equal sharing of workload. Yeah. And so for financial advisors, that's you need your relationship manager and then I went to a pair planner to say, okay, what are all these things that I'm still spending my time on that are taking me away from really what I should do best is is provide the clients only the value I can bring and try to get new business yeah. of ideal clients. And so a pair planner came in and they started doing all my meeting prep, especially with Surge, because that's really intense. We figured out how can I dictate my notes. Like we really streamlined the system to where Surge now went from two months of me doing everything to four to five weeks. And all of a sudden, you start calculating you, the value you, of the hours. And, and the, the surge experience was very different. That, that four to five weeks was, it's still intense. Yeah. It's just a very different experience when you're like, all right, let's talk about this next meeting. And they're bringing information to you. Now, you always speak into it. It's ultimately your responsibility as the advisor. Yep. But just what a tremendous difference of having a capable staff versus going, it's all on you. Yep. It's all 
And once you start doing the math and you start realizing, okay, I need to get, and depending on what the focus of your practice is, whether it's AUM, insurance, or planning, do some math. You know, if you were to hire a $50,000, $55,000 pair planner and they free up 100 hours of your time, do you think you can go get two more clients, three more clients? Like it's it's when we whiteboard that with advisors, it's really hard for them to be, you know, pessimistic on themselves that much. Right. You know, there might be a little limiting belief, but when you put the numbers out there and you're like, hey, if you had this much free time and you did the right things, don't you think you probably this person five X is their pay if you use yeah. them the right way? Yeah. And I think that's a good nuance is it's one thing for us to say hire them, it's another to hire the right person, onboard in the right way, have the yeah. right KPIs in order to maximize their benefit to the company. So relationship manager first hands down do that as soon as you can that's that's a, a great first step if you already have that and you're saying I, I still feel like i'm doing things i don't want to do it's probably a pair planner role and then the next step beyond that for me was a junior advisor it was somebody that could actually manage and help with clients at a certain tier where the complexity was not too much he would still call me in on certain cases but it was nice for me to look at my book of business at that point and say okay this advisor can take care of these 50 people really well i'm still there if they need me but it allowed me to continue to kind of add just the ideal clients for our firms that were more complex. Yeah. Relationship manager, pair planner behind the scenes, and then a junior advisor to say, and for me, that was my pair planner that was able to level up, which could be the case. Okay. Okay. So a pair planner becomes that junior advisor, and then maybe a pair, another pair planner can come in behind them. That's right. Because right? there's always people. And again, like contrast, picture yourself coming to work for Sten and his system as a young person who's new to the business, and you have a salary. And you get to work inside of a stable company, and yet you don't have to go do what most of you have done who are listening or watching to start. You're just like, are you kidding me how great that would be? Oh, yeah. So then you grow them up into an advisor and, and a better advisor because they got their CFP by then. You've made them get one of those. Yeah, we set the bar high. Yeah, the things right? you have to do, CFP within a year. Yeah, you're sitting in but meetings. How many different kinds of transactions and clients do you see? Mm -hmm. How many meetings do you get to sit in on and you don't have to like oh, yeah. sell with them? You just yeah, our, our pair planner now was at a firm for two years and never was in a client meeting. Yeah, a month into ours, he's he's in- Really? Six, seven, eight a month. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So for him, just that alone. Oh, yeah. You know, he got paid a little bit more, but just like the give me the reps because he eventually wants to be an advisor someday. And not all want to. Some pair of planners are like, I just love to be behind the scenes on right. a team crunching numbers. And that's great. I don't know yet when I get somebody young. I usually say that pair planner role is two years. By the end of two years, we should have an idea of like, can you start serving clients or do you want to kind of stay behind the scenes? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that's a great value. If that paraplanner can level up and do an advisor, which a lot of them want to, give them yeah. that path. Yeah. Um, beyond that, so imagine you have a relationship manager, one or two of them, depending on the size of your book of business, really serving clients well, taking care of everything from once a client says yes, they onboard them, get everything, the money transferred over, the policies approved, whatever it is, and then they bring me back in to kind of have the meeting and say, okay, what's the, the process? And then beyond them saying yes, getting onboarded as a client, assets, insurance being moved over, then I have a junior advisor that can sit there and run point with me. So now what that world looks like for me is that I'm told we have a client meeting. Somebody does all the prep for me. I see it two to one to two days ahead of time. I go to the meeting, sit down, do my thing for an hour. Somebody's in there taking all the notes for me. Afterwards, they send the follow-up email and the next steps, and I just am told what to do next. Like that one years ago, maybe it was four or five, six years ago, that seemed impossible. Yeah. And you might be listening right now being like, Sten, that's, that's the dream. But, but there's no way I can attain that. If I told Sten six, seven years ago, you would have this level of monthly payroll, 
I would say that's way more than I even think I'm ever going to make. You, you would probably say, no, thank you. Like, sincerely. Oh, yeah, like, it felt like a lot. I'm, I, you know, I'm good. I don't really want that, right? Yep. Because it, because all you're thinking at that point is cost. That's right. Right. Imagine having rent this much. Like, why would I want rent that much? <laughs> well, because your business is making this much and because you're going to have this kind of space. You're like, oh, if those things are true, then I want that. Oh, yeah. It's like saying to someone, your taxes are going to double next year. Like, no way. And you're like, well, wait, your income's going to do this. Oh, okay, never mind. I'll I'm okay that. with taxes now. Right. And the good news is, similar to having like kids, unless you're listening, you've had like twins or triplets. Usually you get a time to progress into it. Right. And so I look back now and I'm like, oh, that seems crazy. But I hired one then I hired another person right. and then I learned about the payroll and then I learned about the benefits. Like this will be a progression. Yeah. So if it's feeling overwhelming now, just trust the process, make the next best decision. And usually that's like one more hire. And yeah. then you get better at hiring and you get better at job descriptions. We're gonna we share never had anyone you. ever hire. I hired a relationship manager and a pair planner and a junior today. No, we've never like no. that's a, and they all went great and they weren't hard. <laughs> right. But but what we have had is people who've said, Hey, I leveled up my relationship manager. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we I needed to, I need a higher level of person in that position. Yep. And then yes, I'm gonna bring on a paraplanner. Yes, I'm bringing on a junior advisor. Let me ask you a question that might be lingering in some people's minds. Where is where is this scenario for oh, I have a co advisor? Why have you not followed that path and why do you not encourage, hey, we're or two peas in a pod, and, and yeah. it can work for some people, but... It can. Yeah, my experience was um, was good at a time. I think there was a point where I had, like, built this team out, and I realized, like, wow, this team has capacity, so I'm going to bring in another partner advisor, and then the firm will get kind of the spread on top, and everybody's happy. The downside to that, and if you're listening and you're in leadership, you're probably saying, Sten, yeah, I could have told you that was going to happen, <laughs> is it's hard to manage advisors. Especially if you set up this environment where it's like, hey, do whatever you want whenever you want, and here's the staff to use whenever you want. What I've learned is that you need to fold them into your culture, and they even need to have boundaries and expectations. Mm -hmm. Because if you say, and at one point I had two other kind of senior level advisors with their own books of business, but they were coming and going as they pleased, which wasn't anything wrong. We didn't tell them they had to be anywhere. But what I realized as the team grew is that it felt really disjointed. A business can't scale if everyone's trying to do their own thing. Like at some points, like here's here's what it looks like to be on the legacy team, and we'll give you freedom and flexibility within that. And so that was a miss on my part, uh, was trying to make everybody happy. And so there probably is a way to have senior advisors. And then the path we're taking now is, you know, if you're an advisor on the legacy team, legacy will generate most of the business for you. We just need to serve clients really well. Right. When you find rainmakers, usually rainmakers just want complete freedom. They want really high payouts. And all of a sudden, I realized, like, was that me? When I worked with these other firms, like, was mm. I that person that was like hard to please, always want yeah. to do something bigger? And, and that was part of the reason I had to kind of bounce around and eventually say, I just need to have my own thing. Yeah. But when I look back, there was a way to exist wherever I was and maximize it. I just didn't see it. Yeah. But I think to your point about you maybe being that difficult person in the rainmaker of like, mm-hmm. this is why it always, I didn't fit is because I, I was, I was underneath someone that is, that just wasn't going to work. Right. Like. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't you want know. to change. The idea was I was making them uncomfortable. And so I, no matter where you are, you need to find a place where you feel um, like you have the freedom to maximize your potential. That doesn't mean always change. You know, when we talk to a lot of advisors like, hey, I want to move firms. And we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, here's 10 things you should be doing tomorrow. Yeah. That moving moving firms is kind of like a quick that change. That will solve the problem instead of switching a firm. Yeah. It, just switching is like, well, what's that going to solve? You're going to run into the same stuff. And we've seen it over and over again. Uh but but with with the hiring process, I think as I had the pair planner, administrative assistant, had a junior advisor, and things were flowing, what I then realized was, man, there's a lot of business stuff here, like paying rent, 
making sure payroll's done on time, right. looking at the benefits, all the things that like are necessary to run a business in an office with other people. But I don't have to do those things. And so for me, this was a hard part. And luckily, you know, Jamie, I've known her for a long time and she was my first relationship manager that yeah. kind of leveled up over the years to now where she helps me run legacy. Once a month, we look at the scorecard for the team. We look at the PNL, And now I know that somebody's looking out for legacy as a company Yeah. in addition to me. This is the team. So one or two relationship managers. We have two. A pair planner just kind of cranking stuff out for us. Absolutely. A partner junior advisor that's working on kind of building his book of business. And then a practice manager. That's powerful. Yeah. Because now Sten gets a living who's superpower speak into areas but it's a business now that is running not solely based on Sten. I'm still responsible for most of the new business, which is the next thing we have to solve. So that someday, apart from Sten, Legacy is a healthy company that's attracting the right clients right. that is served really well. And then Sten is just an important part of that. He does not have to be the main part of it. I don't I don't know. I'm not going to say it's ego because I don't think, I mean, a lot of people, especially in our community, they're, I don't think they're ego-centric people. They're, they're not, you know, they're humble people. I think that the industry just has done a poor job of communicating, hey, if you keep growing, you're going to find yourself having a business mm -hmm. and you're a financial advisor and and you're not, a, you're maybe not the best person to run all the business stuff. Mm -hmm. And I just think about this and it's because advisors, because you're dealing with money and you're in transactions and you're dealing with, you know, uh, it seems like I should be able to do all the business, and the, you know, retirement and the, the rent and, the, and the, no, like, yeah. so let me, let me ask, would you expect your dentist to be really good at running a business? No, I expect them to be really good at being a dentist. Now they have to know somewhat about how to run a oh, business, yeah. but I would, I would venture to say that if there's a dentist who's really successful, they've hired someone to help run the business. Oh yeah. Yeah. They have right? practice managers. Absolutely. All and so, things, I, yeah. but I do find that with the advisors that we coach because we're, we're coaching them, they say, I want to grow. I want to grow. It's okay. Here's where you need to go. And they do, and they love it eventually, but it's just, it's hard for some advisors to say, yeah, I need someone to help. Cause it's almost like, gosh, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. It's like, maybe you could, but it, again, is that the best use? You could be the relationship manager. Yep. You could be all these things, but should you be that person? Yep. And are you going to have the life you want and the business you want if you're that person? And I would submit no. Yeah. The, I believe, and we're convicted as we've met with a bunch of advisors, that our hope is, that especially everybody in our coaching community, is they're working towards a team of four or five. That doesn't mean you have a team of 100, 200. Like you may not be trying to build this huge firm empire. Those are out there and people that do it have a different set of problems dealing with a lot of advisors and they make good money doing it. But, but the idea of like, I'm an advisor with one assistant, you're not reaching your potential. We would try to push you out of that comfort zone to move towards this four or five team approach to where you have very clear things where everyone is living in their superpower. Yeah. And finally you are becoming at that stage of business owner to where you could leave for a month or two and your business would still work well. Your clients would be happy. Right. And the advisors we coach and talk to, that's what they want. And so what does it look like? What are the steps? And so as, as, as you look at the job descriptions in the show notes and start unpacking what does your current org chart look like and what could it be, feel free to reach out to us. We talk about this stuff in our live events, you know, with our coach, Jared, because as you go into next year and you are starting 2024, my guess is on your biggest goals should be more team, yeah, more help. Whether that's outsourcing, I'd usually say don't. I'd usually say don't do part-time. 
push through the fear and hire somebody really good and then figure out how to pay them. Because the good news is you don't have to write a paycheck all up in advance. Right. Do you have enough, you know, in reserves or can you look at your practice and say, I have three to four months here to vet this person. And if 90 days is in and they're not doing what they should do, well then pivot. But what we know is that you need to start doing it to get better at hiring and better at using team members because that's the future of your practice.